As I mentioned earlier, we're pleased to have Dean Billings here with us this morning. Dean is the uh, Regional Manager for Compassion Canada in the Southern Ontario region. Uh, he's been with them for a great number of years. Uh, Compassion was last with us when we were over in City Kids, worshiping over there. And I know that that Sunday was just a great Sunday for us as our hearts were stimulated about the need of uh, helping kids around the world uh, that are in poverty. And we're just glad to have uh, them back with us again this morning. I'm just going to ask Dean to come now, share God's Word, and yeah. tell us more about Compassion. Yeah, sure, Bill. Thank you. Good morning, James North. Good morning. Good to see you. It was February 2nd, February 2nd, 2020, when I was here, but not here, there, uh, at uh, City Kids Building as, as this was being built. This was just a drawing on paper coming to life and uh, quite exciting um, to be able to be a part of that and, and, and meet you. Um, and so it's good to see you all again, or maybe some of you and some of you uh, it's new. It's just great to meet you for the first time. And for uh, anyone online, it's also good to see you too. And uh, glad to be able to be together today, sharing the word, but also sharing God's heart. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's as important as we look to the word and, and out of the word, we learn and hear and get to know God's heart, what he's passionate about, what he believes in and what he wants us as the body of Christ to do. What does he want us to do? I don't know about you, but I want to know what God wants me doing and what he wants us doing. And so let's do that together. Let's do that together. I'm going to pray for just a moment. Father in heaven, I just, God, am so thankful. God, to be here at James North. God, to be able to share, Lord, what's happening globally around the world, what's happening in and through your church, what's happening by extension, God, through uh, compassion and all of the 8,000 frontline church partners. God, it's so incredible to know that you're at work. God, be with us now. God, help us open our minds, open our hearts, God, as we open your word and we seek to, to hear from you. Father, help us this day in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Luke and Mark chapter 10 to start today. We're also going to look uh, to Luke chapter 10 in the Good Samaritan parable. I'll get to that in just a little while. Um, we're going to start in Mark chapter 10, but I really thought it might be helpful uh, as I talk a little bit about me today and a little about compassion today, but we talk about you too. And uh, I just want to talk a little bit about, about you. But you already know this about you. You, you already know this about you. Um, I, I, th this is a reflection about you, and I've, I've learned a fair bit about you. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and I, uh, we live in Stony Creek. Uh, we attend Philpot Church just up the road, and uh, <clears throat> for about seven, eight years now, we've been a part of that, uh, that church, and it's been really, really great to watch and see what James North has been up to and what's been happening down here, so it's really, really cool. Um, this is about you. I'm going to read about you. James North Baptist Church has been serving in the North End of Hamilton for over 135 years. Paul didn't know this was coming. Our church was founded in 1887, and from 1910 to 2020, we were known as Houston Street Baptist, believing the Lord had called us to a very simple philosophy of ministry, to seek to bless the North End of Hamilton in Jesus' name, ministering to as many people during the week as the weekend on Sunday during worship. We believe the gospel changes everything. 
amen to that. The good news of the gospel is that the death of Jesus Christ has paid the price for our sin, taking the penalty that we deserve on himself, saving us with certainty because of his resurrection. The gospel grants us purpose, hope, and a new perspective on joy and fulfillment. Life may not always be easy, but our hope is in Jesus Christ. And at James North Baptist Church, we strive to continually offer the hope of Jesus and to others through our ministries and programs. Our ministry. Is that not good news? <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I thought you'd like <laughs> I miss Dwayne too. I miss Dwayne too. I really do. I miss Dwayne too. But I had to squeeze that in. Is that not good? Well, back three years ago in February of 2020, uh, Dr. Barry Slonwhite was here that day, uh, our president and CEO of that time, and he talked about uh, a hope more powerful than poverty, a hope more powerful than poverty, and that hope in being the hope of Jesus Christ, and just knowing that um, <clears throat> it is Him. Uh, alone, who is able to provide a solution, an eternal solution to poverty. When you and I think of poverty, we often think of physical things, you know, physical needs, uh, and that includes physical needs. Poverty uh, is complex, it's diverse, it has a lot of components, physical poverty, social economical poverty, uh, cognitive poverty, and the awareness and spiritual poverty being the single largest piece, um, and that the only hope that we can have uh, against poverty in eternity is the hope of Jesus Christ. And that is what Barry was talking about and, and shared with us. Well, just like you, James North, as you seek to uh, minister to and help and work out in your local community, identifying all of the different needs that you have or that the, the community has, uh, us too at Compassion Globally, as we partner globally in 27 countries, with frontline church partners. You see, we work strategically together with them as a, as a silent partner, right? We, we don't have the compassion flag. You won't, you won't see the compassion flag waving anywhere. It's about the frontline local church and, and equipping and empowering them to answer to the needs, just like you are, just like you are. And I think that's really important this morning as we sort of start as a bit of a foundation to help you understand both this ministry of compassion and the call that we believe that Christ has called us to, um, sharing a hope more powerful, more powerful than poverty. Now, I was particularly uh, excited this morning uh, when I was able to share with Michaela about uh, your, your Tuesday night. You've got prayer with, for the children, this ministry, prayer for the children. Well, I, I don't know how you, if you know how important that is. I was quite... Uh, uh, astonished by that and thought it was so good that you believe in and trust in children and, and know what it means. Uh, we're going to look now to Mark chapter 10, why that's important, why that's important. Chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. And Jesus loves the little children. You know, he talks a lot about that, how Jesus loves the little children. And I'm going to read here, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to him to Jesus, in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And after taking them, the little children, in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. 
lays his hands on them, and he blessed them. So why do you think Jesus made that point? Why do you think he like rebuked the disciples and said, no, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to children such as these. Well, I don't know about you and your children, but something very unique about children, <clears throat> they're very open, they're very trustworthy. You don't have to particularly uh, uh, convince a child, although <laughs> there can be times when you have to convince your child to do something, but children just have this innocence, openness, and a faith and believe you. They don't think that you're going to trick them. They don't think you're going to lie to them. They don't think that you're going to do something um, against something that would be unsafe to them. Not, not at all. In fact, um, that scripture is put in there and Jesus talks about it because he really, although children are inexperienced and often incapable <clears throat> of doing things in life that we might look at and see, they say the most remarkable, wise, uh, insightful, and mature things. From that, you ever notice from the mouths of babes, Psalm 8-2, often, you know, the Lord, you know, kind of just uses children to say something uh, to you and to I that really is just so, so surprising. Um, last night, uh, my wife and I were watching uh, The Chosen, and, and I was just scroll, scrolling through, and, and, and I saw Jesus loves the little children. I don't know if you noticed that. It's, it's episode three uh, of season one. Episode three, Jesus loves the little children. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there last night and I'm, I was praying. I was looking at this and I said, okay, wait a minute, Lord. Okay, I hear you. You're, you're, you're trying to, fit, you're, okay, let's watch it. So we watched it and how Jesus just invested in and taught the little children so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. <clears throat> and I think it's so important that we see and recognize the importance of little children. And James North, I'm so delighted that you recognize that and you're doing that. In fact, <clears throat> it's not just important in this one scripture, but in fact, there's 86 verses uh, in the Bible where Jesus refers to loving the little children specifically. In fact, not just 86, but more broadly speaking, children are mentioned 458 times if you're a counter. I don't know if you like to count. Some are counters, some are not. But recognizing that is significant. And I think it's more than just something to be acknowledged, but it's something to be studied and applied. I think if, if the Bible is talking about children and their significance to the kingdom, that that is something that you and I ought to pay attention and ought to listen and, and follow through. There's one particular evangelist that paid attention to that. His name was D.L. Moody. Uh, some of you may know D.L. Moody. or know, Anybody know D.L. Moody? Does that name ring a bell? Does any ring a bell with anyone? It's okay. You can put your hand up. It's okay. You, you, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was a pretty famous Bible teacher um, from like 150 years ago. And D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, he loved little children. In fact, his ministry was predicated on a Sunday school for children. And he ministered to and created and ministered to hundreds of children through back what was then his, his, the title of his Sunday school was called Mission Sunday School. And uh, he loved not just children, but youth of the city that were uh, um, 
underprivileged. And, and back in then in, in Chicago, this was in Chicago, Illinois, back then, um, where, where the Moody Bible Institute is. It's come now to become the Bible Institute. But back then, um, in February of 1864, it was called the Illinois Street Church. And Moody believed so much in investing in those in need, in the community and in and around, that he decided uh, to invest in them. And he said this. This is a really great quote that I love that D.L. Moody said. And nearing the end of his life, D.L. Moody said this. If I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Which is a pretty significant statement. For a Bible teacher, uh, uh, D.L. Moody, to say something like that, famous in that, famous today, but even famous back then when they opened the Moody Church, which is still a church that's operating today. 159 years later, the Moody Church is still available. You can go and have a tour. You can go to Sunday. They're a non-denominational church right in downtown Chicago. And just reflecting on that, why? Why are children so important? Why? Well, because Moody knew the impact of a life changed. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've, I've had people in my life who have, you know, come to faith later in life. In fact, my aunt came to faith much later in life. And she said after she experienced the love and the person of Christ and accepted and believed in him on her deathbed, she was started weeping and crying. And she said, Dean, I just wish I knew sooner. I just wish I knew sooner so that I could do something more about it. And what, what she's saying is she's living out this she now understands and she wishes that earlier she had truly come to know Christ. And I just think that's why it's so, so important. I want to tell you about a little guy, a little, little five-year-old. I want to, speaking of children, I want to introduce you to Malukin. This is Malukin from Ethiopia. He's a five-year-old little boy. And the day that I met him, this was the picture that I looked at when I saw him at a church. It was a church just like you and on a... Sunday morning, I to meet Malukin and, and look at that. And, and I was looking at him, and I was thinking about him. And the scripture that ran through my mind as I was looking at his little picture and his little profile was the Good Samaritan, the parable we're going to talk about today, Luke chapter 10. And I want to bring you there now. I want to bring you to Luke chapter 10. Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 25 to 37. And as I was just sitting there thinking of Malukin and realizing that, you know, God, God, I wanted what God wanted, and I wanted to know what God wanted me to do about this little boy named Malukin. And so <clears throat> we're just going to use this as an example. And, and just to testify to the Lord's goodness and his mercy and his grace, as we sang about earlier today. But let's take a look at Matthew, or at Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this. Then an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, just I want to pause there for a second. Uh, an expert in the law. Some translations say a, lo a lawyer. A lawyer stood up. Not a lawyer in terms of the way that we... A lawyer is a poor translation. Not a lawyer or an expert in terms of the way of the law, like we think of today, like a, like a lawyer, like a criminal defense lawyer, crown prosecutor, that kind of thing. They're actually talking about, in this, in this case, an expert in the law, as in a Pharisee in the law of, of Moses in the Torah in the first five books. So that's just an expert in the first five books and sort of knowing the law. 
Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, he said. He said, well, how do you read it, Jesus said. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, right, which we have now come to know in the New Testament as the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. He's referring to the expert in the law is referring to the great commandment, although he didn't know it was going to become the great commandment. He was just referring to it from Deuteronomy back then. <clears throat> You've answered correctly, Jesus told them. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify or understand further, Jesus asked him, but who is my neighbor? And here's the Good Samaritan parable story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, they beat him, and they fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going along the road that day. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, when a Levite, when he came along, he arrived and he too passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him, he bandaged his wounds, poured on olive oil and wine, and then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you whatever extra you have spent. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Or some say, go and do the same. Go and do the same. You know, I don't know about you. How do you find it uh, going and doing the same? What's it like? Pretty easy, pretty simple. Just go and do the same. Just go and do the same. Well, is it just that easy? I mean, we've, we've just come through a pandemic and uh, two or three years of interruption and challenges. Uh, but even before the pandemic, some say, yeah, you know, I could live that out. That's a great example. And, you know, I could, you know, help somebody uh, in the need that's in the need. I mean, we see them all around us. We see them all the time. But let's not be too hard on the priest and the Levite that pass by on the other side. It's very common in everyday life to pass by on the other side, isn't it? Isn't it so easy to just pretend they're not there? Pretend that, you know, well, God's not talking to me. God's talking, God, God's talking to somebody else, and that'll be the car behind me that's going to help, you know, that kind of thing. Let's not be too hard, and, because often you can look at the scripture and say, well, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with us sometimes, right? He reached down and he pulled out two denarii and he, he helped them. I don't think I need to convince anyone here today or this morning that the scripture and what the scripture says about helping those in need. I mean, this church is, you know, living that example out, ministering to as many during the week as you do on Sunday uh, it's probably even an understatement. I don't know how many people are here today, 150, 60, 75, I don't know, but um, you administer as many too with different various programs and different outreaches in different ways. That is so important, and that is why you exist as a church. 
to share the person and love of Jesus Christ, to minister to as many. And if compassion didn't share that same foundational mindset, sharing the person of Christ, and if I didn't believe that, believe me, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) And so we can agree together and know together that we're on the same focus and we're certainly looking together to live out the Good Samaritan parable and the example. I have three points I'd love to share with you today. Three points that I, that have spoken to me about this and we're going to see in the scripture here on the Good Samaritan. The first thing is, the first point as we look at and reflect on this Good Samaritan parable, the first thing we see is that the very first word says go. Nothing happens unless we go. Nothing happens unless we go, unless we get up, unless we turn the application of the knowledge that we've been receiving and that we've learned in what we do. And that application and knowledge turns into living out our faith in living out and in, in doing something. Jesus came to model ministry and his mission and his ministry just that way so that we can be equipped to reveal and know who he is and share it with others and share it with others, that we can love God and love our neighbor as he's asked us to do, as the great commandment has said. To go, go and do what? You might say, go and do what? Go and be a a neighbor to someone in need. Go and be a neighbor to someone in need. Did you know that during Jesus' life on earth, he had the largest feeding program the world had ever seen up until that time? The largest feeding program physical food the world had ever seen. He fed 5,000 at a time, right? Remember in Matthew 14, he fed 5,000. It's pretty, pretty famous. A lot of people sort of know it and, and get it. Yeah, he fed 5,000 at a time. Why did he do that? Oh, but he wasn't done because in Matthew 14, he, or in Matthew 15, he then uh, fed another 4,000. There was first the 5,000 and then there was the 4,000. First it was the five loaves and two fish and then it was the seven loaves and the three fish. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the math is there. Uh, it's irrelevant other than he gave them what they had. He gave them what they had. And uh, I think that's so important for us to be able to live that out, to know that as he was doing that. But is that why Jesus came? Did Jesus come to feed people? Why did he feed people then? Jesus fed them because they were hungry, because he loved them, because he was fulfilling his own great commandment to love God and love our neighbor. But Jesus didn't come to feed people. He came to feed people metaphorically, spiritually, revealing himself to them. And along the journey, they were hungry, so he fed them. It's a great example. It's proclamation and demonstration. It's knowledge and application lived out, lived out. At Compassion, one of the things we believe in is that the good news is completed by good works and they come together and, and together is how we release children from poverty in Jesus' name. It's so, it's so important. It's intrinsic and inherent in the foundation of, of, of who we are. That's the first thing, go. Don't forget to go. Now, for you at home, you're at home. That's okay. But don't get too comfortable at home. 
at home is good, and there are times in need when you need to be at home for whatever reasons, in your family and in circumstances, and absolutely, and I'm not trying to be hard on anybody, I'm just trying to say, uh, being home when it's necessary is okay. But we do this together as a fellowship, and we do this together. Second thing, um, living out our faith, living out our faith includes a stewardship component. As we see in the text, go and do likewise. The good Samaritan, what did he do? He reached into his pocket and he pulled out two denarii. He pulled out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. He picked up the man, put him on his donkey or whatever animal he had, took him to the innkeeper and he gave two denarii in my hand. I know you want to see it. It's amazing. It's not denarii. It is 50 cinquenta centavos from Ecuador. That's what it is. That's what it is. It includes a stewardship component. He actually went ahead and paid. Do you know how much a denarii is? Anybody know how much a denarii is? Pastor can't answer, or Paul can't answer. Can't answer. A, day, a full day's wage. You, put, you probably already have a sense. Uh, yeah, a full day's wage. One denarii is a full day's wage. Two denarii is two full day's wages. And so what that meant is that as he took and took this beaten man who needed clearly care and help, he gave it to the innkeeper. And what that two denarii did is that housed and fed and cared for that man for two months. Two months. Two denarii at that point in time cared for the man for two months. And he said, what else did he say? When I come back, I will reimburse you any extra you spend. It's kind of like a blank check. Anybody ever written you a blank check? Got to be a lot of trust there. I've never done that. Interesting, interesting. Any extra you spend in the care and I'll come back. Yeah, really interesting. I love that. I love how it's such an example of being responsible with needs and being responsible. That day, you know, the Good Samaritan coming along the Jericho Road. Some of you may know this road that runs from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's often got, it's got a nickname, actually. It's known as the Bloody Pass. The Bloody Pass because it's a dangerous place where people would often get beat up and robbed. There's a lot of mountains in there. Um, and you could easily, it was a perfect spot to, 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 uh, to rob somebody, to come along and, you know, beat them up. Um, but the Good Samaritan stopped, and he did that. When I first met Malukin from Ethiopia that day, that little five-year-old picture of that little guy, he was a stranger to me, but he wasn't a stranger to his local church, and he wasn't a stranger to God, and there was a plan happening, and God was up to something, doing something. You know, as I said, Malukin's from Ethiopia, and, and if you know anything about Maluk, Ethiopia, it's pretty poor. Uh, they've been struggling for a long time. They had a, sort of a bit of a famous drought many years ago. That drought has come back and happened again. There are so many things that are, that are particularly unique about Ethiopia that are challenging. The third thing I think that I take out of the Good Samaritan, and as I was thinking of Malukin that day, is that living out our faith, if you're taking notes, go Stewardship has a responsibility component to it. And three, living out our faith and fulfilling ministry includes interruptions. It includes interruptions. 
And now somebody's saying amen to that. I mean, you know, my morning just didn't quite go the way I thought it was going to go. And it sure does include interruptions, Dean. I know what that's all about. Well, yeah, the Good Samaritan, you know, when he was on his road, down that road, I'm sure that day that it wasn't particularly convenient for him to stop, pick up this man, help him, care for him, take him to the inn, find an inn, take him to an inn. But isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? We ask God, we say, Lord, help. Help us, direct us, guide us. Lord, show us where the need is. Lord, we, we want to be a help to the community and to the neighborhood. We want to be a help to individuals. And we ask and we pray and, you know, we, we want to listen, we want to hear. And sometimes when the Lord does, it's not convenient. Sometimes when he does, when he answers prayer, it's an interruption. And I'm guilty too. Oh, somebody else will stop and help that guy that's got the flat tire, right? You know I've got to speak at James North this morning, right, Lord? Like, I can't be late. Wouldn't that be a great story had I come in and told you all about that? That would have been so great. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What if, what if interruptions are actually invitations? What if interruptions are actually invitations to do something that you've prayed and asked God to reveal something to you to answer a prayer and to help a need and it just doesn't quite come the way that you might think it comes in terms of, you know, easy and comfortable. And, you know, when you have time, Lord often doesn't work like that. He often works on his timing and not on our timing. And so the third thing that I often think of is that interruptions can be really invitations. So just take that away from, from today. Just imagine for a moment if interruptions are really invitations. You know, at Compassion, loving God and loving our neighbor globally around the churches is something that we live out. Living out this Good Samaritan parable is something that we do together. Just like you, in the most strategic way possible, we review and consider and and work with frontline church partners to decide what is it that they need contextually, specifically. Whether it's in El Salvador, Guatemala, or Haiti, or Rwanda or Togo or Indonesia I'm going to fall down the stairs soon or Malawi it's answering needs and coming alongside and equipping and empowering the local church to be the answer to develop and disciple children that's why I'm so excited is because you here James knows how like Knowledge then are living out how important it is to, to do just that, to release children from poverty. Do you know you're doing that here? Do you know you're releasing families and individuals from poverty in Jesus' name from James North? Do you know you're already doing this? You're already doing compassionate ministries and compassion ministries, just not packaged up in the way that we have it, in the global option that we're doing it globally around the world. And, you know, to do that costs $47 a month. To, to live that out, to do that, to package that up, all that cost, to develop and disciple and provide and feed and care costs $47 a month. It, it's not, we don't even use the, sponsor, the word sponsorship anymore because <laughs> sponsorship has kind of got the wrong word. It's, it's, got, it's got the wrong annotation to it. it. You don't understand. It actually should be 
This is what it costs to do ministry, to live out ministry. It costs that much. If you took your own analysis and you broke it down, and what does it cost to do? You'd come up with a similar thing. It might be 10 bucks for that or 20 bucks for that or 100 bucks for that. Similarly, you, you would come up to the same thing. Now, I also recognize that many of you, well, I know 25 of you from three years ago when Barry was here, 25 of you sponsored a child and made a difference in our writing and caring for and praying, and thank you for that. We thank you. We're so thankful. We're so grateful. But I also recognize that some of you, uh, we've never met. Hi, my name's Dean. We don't, you don't know who I am, and you don't know who Compassion is, and you don't know what that is all about. And so I just want to share with you three quick distinctives for just a moment. Take a look on the screen. There's three distinctives about Compassion's ministry that's most important to us. Everything we do surrounds in and around. We're Christ-centered, we're child-focused, and we're church-driven. Why Christ-centered? Well, for the very important and only reason that Christ alone is our source and our provider, and he is the one that we introduce every child and every, every, uh, every child through our, our, our programs and through our churches globally. Again, this is where, where, where the good news of Jesus Christ blends in with the good works and living that out. And that's why that's so, so important. Knowledge and application. Christ-centered. All of our curriculum is based uh, uh, on biblical values and is contextually made in the local church, in Nicaragua, in Guatemala, so wherever, to be applicable. Brazil, Brazil too. Yeah, to be applicable. Why children? Why cho- well, we've been talking a lot about children this morning. Why child-focused? We are all made in the image of God. God has a purpose and a plan for all of us. And he wants all of us to come to know him, but he also wants all of us to live out our faith, to live out our life in faith for him. We just believe globally that investing in children is something that God has called us to. We're not saying it's perfect. We're not saying it's the only way. We're saying it's the way that we believe that God has impressed upon us to minister to and live out. And, and in a global context, if you're familiar, some, some of you are more familiar with international and global, um, and some are not. That's okay. Globally around the world, children are often the ones that pay the highest price for poverty. They're the ones that are most vulnerable. They're often the ones that are left most alone when mom or dad Dad's usually absent. It's usually just mom. Praise the moms. If you're a mother here, we love you. <laughs> you are endlessly giving of your life in so many situations. And dads are too, don't get me wrong. But, but generally, globally, uh, it's single mothers. And they just care for and love. And grandmothers. And yeah. We want to equip children throughout their life from birth to workplace birth to workplace, some say womb to workplace, um, with the skills and everything that they need to be equipped right through youth, young adult, um, right until they go to school or, 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 or go to university or college, if that's an option for them. We want to develop them physically, socially, emotionally, cognitively, and spiritually because we believe children are so important that way. And we're church-driven. Why the church? We love the local church. We only partner exclusively through the frontline local church. Why is that important? Well, because it's important to God. It's because God has instituted the church to be his hands and feet, right? It's through the context and lens of the body of Christ, not a physical building, but you and I living out that 
the local church. We're church-driven. Church-driven has kind of got a bit of a name to it. It's kind of like, what's that mean, church-driven? We recognize, Compassion recognizes that the frontline local churches in the, we don't tell them what to do from Canada or from the U.S. or from Australia or from <clears throat> U.K. or Italy or Denmark or Sweden. We don't tell them what to do. It's the frontline local churches. They know the needs. And so they tell us, hey, here's the needs. We've got domestic violence. We've got these different, all these different things. Here's what we need. And so then partner together to help achieve those things and, and answer and resolve all of those particular uh, instances of, of issues. For me, living out the Good Samaritan parable happened that day when I sponsored Malukin. And that, as, as that scripture was going through my mind, uh, I decided that September day 20 years ago, September 2003 is when I sponsored Malukin. And I, uh, over time, got a chance to, to write letters. And, and, and as he was growing up, Compassion would send updates in different letters that would come. And you'd be able, I'd be able to see him develop. And you'll see on the screen um, him developing. And every two years, Compassion would, would send an update, his profile, how he's progressing, and, and I would, through correspondence, regularly, we do something called reciprocal corresponding. Reciprocal corresponding means as many times as I write Malukin, he's going to write me back. If I never write Malukin, he's required to write me twice. He's required by the local church to sit down. He'll write me twice. But the invitation is that you would have this ongoing relationship. You would pray for him, and you would truly get a chance to get to, to know him. And I got to know his favorite, favorite Bible verse. I got to know what meant him. I got to know that he was the first uh, one in his uh, family in history to go as far as he had in school. He had now gone into primary school or into secondary school, and he was going to graduate high school. And my wife, Sarah, and I, we were so proud. We were so happy. We couldn't believe this. Like, look at this. Malukin is, is growing, and he's, he's just expanding his knowledge, and he's living out his faith, and he's sharing with others. And we, we were so proud. We were just so proud to see all that God was doing in and through him. And, and Malukin wrote to us in his letters, and he told us that when he grew up, he was around 15, 16 at the time, when he grew up, he wanted to be an engineer. That was, that was, his, that was his dream to be an engineer. And it was Sarah, my wife Sarah, and I, it was our dream to go and visit him. It was our dream to go and visit him. The problem with Ethiopia is, I don't know, but it's not on your typical Sunday afternoon drive. You ever kind of like, oh, hey, we're in Ethiopia, hon. It just doesn't happen that way. You gotta be so more purposeful. You gotta plan it. You gotta, you know. And you'd think that with compassion and me working globally and, you know, that I would be able to go. It just didn't happen. It just, and the years were going on and, Malukin was 16 turning 17, and now he was 17 turning 18. And, and, and Sarah and I were praying, and we said, Lord, if it's possible, Lord, we would just love to go and see Malukin. We've, we've been sponsoring him since he was five years old, and we've seen this life changed and this boy equipped, and we were so excited, and we just wanted to go meet him. Have you ever prayed for something, and you just, Lord, do you hear my prayer? Lord, do you love me enough to answer my prayer? Lord. Well, Sarah and I, one particular night, just kind of came to that realization that a trip to go and see Malukin wasn't going to be possible. It just, it wasn't happening. We'd been praying for a number of years and we just kind of had to accept in our own hearts, in our own soul, we just had to accept that a trip to go and see Malukin was just not going to happen. 
And so we prayed one final night together, just on the couch, just saying, okay, Lord, we commit Malukin to you. All that we've invested in him, all that we've done, all of the investment in time, Lord, may you use it for your glory and for your church, and may Malukin just go on to be something great and amazing in his local church and in his area. And we thought that was it. We thought that was it. Until my wife got an email from her workplace. You see, my wife had just been uh, uh, nominated uh, to win an award, and this award was called a Global Citizen Award. You see, Sarah had volunteered and done a number of things, um, both at church and then in the community, and she had done so many things that she was nominated to, to receive this Global Citizen Award. And as a result of that, as she, we kept reading, we had heard about it, um, but then as she kept reading, the bottom of the email was acknowledging that she had been awarded the award, and they were sending her on a two-week missions trip to Kenya, to a mission hospital. And I said, well, Sarah, you, you, you know that Kenya, anyway, anyway, geography majors, you know that Kenya borders Ethiopia. They're like side by side. And I said, could it be possible? What if... What if, when you're done your two weeks in Kenya, I could fly down and maybe meet you, and we could go see Malukin? So we asked. Talk to Compassion. Compassion sets those things up. If you sponsor a child and you want to meet your child, Compassion would be love to schedule and arrange for you to go and meet your child in person. They do, they do that all day long. They also do virtual trips over Zoom. If you want to meet your sponsored child, uh, get on our waiting list, and you can virtually meet and sit down, talk to your child for an hour over Zoom. It's incredible. But this particular time, we ask, is it possible, Lord, could we maybe go? And the answer came back, in fact, yes, we, you can go. It was approved. We were going to be able to go and see Malukin, and we were getting ready, and we were getting excited. And what's the first thing we do? We ran to Dollarama. Don't you do that too? <laughs> Grab your backpack, fill your backpack full of stuff. What does he need? Well, here's some things. We, we got our pack all ready. We're good to go. Whatever he needs, some shirts, you know, all kinds of things. And booked our flights, and we were all excited. We are getting ready to go. And two weeks before the trip, we got a call from Ethiopia saying, Dean, we have good news and bad news. The bad news is, when you get there, Malukin won't be there. The good news is, the good news is, is because he's been accepted into university and you're actually going to meet him on campus at Dredra University instead. And you're going to be able to meet and spend the day with him. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. And I, and, and I just thought that was the most incredible thing, that that was going to be able to happen, that we were going to be able to do that, and we were going to be able to go and spend the day and have time with this little boy. Here's the picture of that day of us in Ethiopia with Maluk and my wife Sarah and I, the good-looking guy, not me, him. And just to be able to actually spend the day and hear his heart and in the flesh and pray with him and see truly everything that I believed in at Compassion, which was releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name, and see that come to fruition in the flesh was so real. And I, I, I was so thankful, so, so thankful to spend the day on campus with him, to hear about his life and ministry and what he was doing. It was so, so incredible. Malukin had one very important question that I'll never forget. He said, 
Why? Why did you pick me? Why me? Why me? Of all the children out there, why me? And I said, you know, Malukin, when I was sitting there that day at this local church, 50, it was 15 years ago then, 15 years ago, and I saw your picture, and I prayed to the Lord, and I said, Lord, like, there's lots of kids here who, and the Good Samaritan came to mind, and Lord, I didn't, and Malukin, I didn't pick you, the Lord picked you. I was just being obedient and living out my faith, and I want something that I think that you have the opportunity to do today. I responded, just, you know, the potter and the clay, and I would say to you, James North, the potter and the clay, be available, be open. What's the first thing you got to do? You got to go. What's the second thing you got to do? You got to be responsible, stewarding what God has given you. And the third thing is, it's going to happen with interruptions. You're going to be interrupted. Life is going to happen. Things aren't going to go according to plan. It's all not going to quite work out that way all the time. Be an example. Live life on purpose. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and live on purpose. We sat down um, with a number of compassion children um, uh, who have now gone on to graduate um, and their, their former sponsor children, their alumni actually. Um, we're going to watch a video here in just a minute. And uh, I know that 25 of you sponsored a child three years ago and you have a, your sponsored child has a story and has a life and, and are along this journey. And And I can only imagine that there's a journey just like Malukin for me, for you happening. But let's watch this video of, 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 a, of a little boy who's not a little boy, he's a man now, he's a family, children. His name's Eric. Let's watch what happened to Eric as Eric describes what it means to, have, uh, to, be, to be sponsored for all those years, the impact. It's kind of the idea of if only you knew what the impact of sponsorship can do. If only you knew. Let's watch this video how magical that moment was when I knew that I have a sponsor now. It changed everything, literally. My name is Eric. I'm born in a family of eight children, four boys, four girls. My father died when I was eight years, and the time my father died, it changed the whole story. The relatives from his ancestral home came and took away all the wealth. At the time, we were barely left with nothing. Life was never the same at that point. It meant uh, not having access to better health, not having access to good education. We so much wanted to be at school, but we never had an opportunity. That was all gone. An uncle who worked with Compassion as a volunteer, he got in contact with my elder sister. Uh, they worked alongside with my mom to have us registered in a Compassion program as this big ray of hope, Compassion coming in. When I knew that I have a sponsor now, this was another highlight to me. Like uh, getting a sponsor, it changed everything literally. I'm worth I have a life, I'm loved.
I just finished university. She came and surprised me. Is there anyone who desired to come and like take care of you? Is there anyone who would think of Yeah, the little buffering wheel gets me too. It's all good. And ended there. Okay. You get the you get the gist. You get the gist, right? And and so what? So then then what happened was uh, was uh, uh, Eric was sitting there at a church uh, in Uganda and he was talking, and uh, they uh, they had an iPad and uh, they brought Dorothy in and they did a live. You know, hey Eric, it's Dorothy. How are you? How are you today? And they sort of had this virtual conversation, which was super cool, and was able to just you know encourage him and and let him know. Um, and since that time, Eric has moved to Canada. He lives in Ottawa. He's a social worker. He's married and he has two children. And we'll let get Eric to come in right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? That is. <laughs> What I did do today is I brought 20 children with me that are just like Eric, that need to be sponsored. Come and see us outside. I'd love to talk to you. Our team is here. It's $47 a month. But don't do it out of any form of like, you know, coercion or think that, you know, do it because you truly believe in your heart and your soul that the Lord would call you to something like this. There's many needs here at James North, and I want you to take care of your church, tithe, pay, look, pay, uh, offer to the local church. Make sure you have your, your, your financial house in order. Do that. It's so important. But if you're sensing and feeling the Lord prompting you, uh, we would love for you to sponsor a child and enter into an opportunity today. It's so, so awesome. James North, it's been so good. Galatians 6, 9, worship team, I'm going to pray in just a minute. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says this, the fields are ripe for harvest. Let's not give up right now, paraphrasing. Let's not give up. There's work to be done and we're doing it, but let's not give up. Let's continue in the faith. Let's continue purposefully for our Lord Jesus Christ and let's live out our faith and uh, do that together. So let me close, let me close in prayer. Father in heaven, I'm just so God grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to share what you're doing in and around the world, God, in and around the local church, to, to see, God, how the church is ministering uh, to those in need. God, on a global context, we're able to look and see how, how the church is, is responding. God, help us, God, in our own lives. God, just here in Hamilton, Lord, as this church reaches out to and ministers to as many during the week as they do on a Sunday service, God, help them to be purposeful. Help them to um, lift up your name, both in word and in deed, both in knowledge and in application, both in proclamation and declaration, that God, that all that you've given us, God, help us, God, to go and do likewise. God, help us to recognize that you've called us to be financial stewards, God, and help us to also recognize that living a life of faith regularly has interruptions and life just doesn't quite go the way we often plan. God, we, we commit the timing of everything to you. God, we commit this opportunity. God, as we worship you and we lift up your name and uh, Father, in Jesus' name, may you continue as we go from this place this day to be a light to a world in need. In Jesus' name, amen.